0: Welcome to this episode of the hyper fast show today we've got a real special guest. This person is on our team and made the transition from inside sales agent to outside sales agent. Not a lot of people have done that. So it's going to be interesting to discuss with him what he's done to make that transition the differences between both of the, those roles and what you need to do to succeed in each of those roles. So welcome to the show Peter Applegate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show today, Peter. Uh, Before we dive into inside sales agent, outside sales agent, why don't you tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself, how you got into the real estate industry, and and just a quick synopsis of your journey since. Sure.
1: Um, So I've been on the team since 2016, January 2016, so almost five years. Uh, And real estate was something I've wanted to get into for a while, and that was really what made the inside sales agent role so attractive was you know there is still a salary there's more of a safety net there it's not a uh hunt what you kill basically i mean you're you're gonna survive for a few months and you kind of know that so that, that makes it a lot easier than you know just going in 1099 and not getting a paycheck for three to six months wasn't something i could uh do so yeah i i did that for a while and uh kind of Learned the trade a bit and uh, moved on. So it's been it's been good so far. I started as an OSA uh, in February this year. So it's been an interesting ride. But uh, those of you here. don't know
0: OSA outside sales agent. That's on our team. That's what we call like our buyers agents, our listing agents, versus inside sales agent, which is the guys and gals who are hammering the phones and, and booking appointments. Uh, you know, one one guy is the. Uh, the Magic Johnson if you will the other is is the Michael Jordan here yeah? you got the setup setup person in the in the score yeah so what's uh you start off as inside sales agent how 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 is that like how how is it out there you know starting off in um, real estate as an inside sales agent you know what are the pros the cons the challenges
1: i I guess it depends where you're at i mean it i don't think not I don't want to say it's easy but it it's not that hard either what it's it's not easy, but it's simple. Uh, you, you have to get good at dealing with objections, talking to people, and, and closing. But once you do that, it, it's really straightforward as far as what you have to do to succeed. You just have to come in, make your calls, and like after you get good enough, you're going to convert if you make enough calls. So it's just getting in there and consistently you know, getting your four, three, four, five hours a day at calling in. And if you can do that, you're going to be successful.
0: Yep, consistent effort over time. No matter what you're doing, you, know, you guys have heard it time and time before here. But consistent effort over time is going to produce results, no matter what you're doing. And and like Peter said, inside sales agent is not very difficult in the sense that it's not it's not hard to figure out. You just you just have to be willing to get through a certain amount of shit to. Yeah. Right. Like that. Those first couple weeks or months, you know, taking, getting through objections for the first time, booking appointments before you start to see the, the the commission checks come in, you know, not everyone can can get through that period. But if you if you put in the, you know, the two, three, four hours of, of calling a day consistently, you know, no matter if you're calling. Expires or fizzbos right? Outbound calling or circle prospecting or inbound calling. Like no matter what you're doing, if you, if you just put the time, you know the time in, you'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, as far as the pros, I mean, obviously having a guaranteed salary is a huge pro, and it's a lot easier at a team like this because one of my biggest fears, you know, getting into the real estate industry having because i I own a house now but i was renting at the time like how am i going to convince somebody i'm the right person to to help them buy a house i've never even done it like we're going to be looking at the contract for the first time together it just it seemed like it like a really tough sell for someone um so being able to stand behind the team's reputation and be like hey we're number one we have you know hundreds of homes all this experience uh, really just kind of took away that not even objection i guess that uh that fear of rejection, more than actual rejection, because very few people actually ask like how how long you've been doing this and how many homes you've been selling.
0: Uh, well, yeah, you mentioned the base salary. So for those of you who don't know, RISAs get a get a base salary, then they're they're paid bonuses on on the appointments that uh, result in closings that that the other team members are taking. Um, so it's a very team oriented approach because you know peter and other isas are depending on other people to close the deals to get their paycheck i think the other the other cool thing about it is you get a lot of it bats you know if you're if you're an outside sales agent listing agent you're only working with a certain uh group of clients at a time maybe 10 20. right inside sales agent you're on the phone you're talking to 30 40 50 people a, a day so you're you're getting more repetition so i think think you're getting more actual skill building in that that appointment setting area talking to people area overcoming objections area you're getting more reps at that yeah yeah at
1: that one specific thing and that's the big difference is like with isa because once we get the appointment it, it goes to the osa and they pretty much handle it from there unless somebody who just absolutely cannot buy a home for the next couple of years like they'd you know, just got divorced and had a bankruptcy and like they're just it's not happening for them. Like those leads go back to the ISA but beyond that somebody who's, you know, six months out and is waiting for this promotion and but they're gonna get it, like that's one that stays with the OSAs. So what, what's a lot harder in that position is kind of figuring out the next step and how to move them forward. Because with the ISA, it's like you have this lead, you call this lead, you schedule an appointment. Like you never – I can just pick people up. I don't have to know what's in their record, what we've talked to them about previously. I can just call them and be like, hey, do you want to meet next Tuesday? With with OSA, it's a little more – what's the word? Precise. You, I mean, not, that's not even the right word for it. But you have to figure out what's needed for that specific person to move them along.
0: Yeah, you, you got to tailor it a little bit more to them. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not just, hey, we're going to meet because we've already done that. So, like, now is it maybe it's getting them out to see properties or getting them to go ahead and get pre-approved even though they know they can
0: qualify and yada yada. Um, and you can make a six-figure salary without... Doing open houses, driving people to yep. showings, writing offers at midnight.
1: Yeah, and that I mean that's the biggest thing is like you have days off, which in the real estate industry is uncommon. So that that's a really nice thing. And sometimes I mean as an ISA, occasionally, you know, I'd be responding to an email or something like ten o'clock at night from somebody who wants to go see a house the next day. But that's more the exception than the rule, and it's not really the expectation. Like I I work nine to five, five days a week. Somebody calls me at ten o'clock, I'll get back to him tomorrow or
0: what? Um, what are some of the, the challenges specifically with, you know, calling, dealing with objections? Cause I, I think um, some people might be listening and think, "Well, oh, I'm not an ISA. Well, uh, every real estate agent starts off as an ISA. When you're a solo agent, you are an ISA. And, and even when you hire you know, admin and and start building on a team. Up until a certain point, you are like the primary ISA, and and then even after that, you, you're training or overseeing the person that's training and managing them. So every real estate agent is an ISA. So let's let's talk about some of the challenges with the job and and things people can do to overcome those.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not knowing what to say is is the biggest one because that's how you get hung up on like the first step and i mean so much of its mindset and that's to expand upon that like someone will hit you with an objection that you just don't know how to handle somewhere it's like wow yeah maybe you shouldn't buy a house right now i mean you can kind of think and tailor that experience and by knowing what to say it's not a static script like of these words because that's what you don't need is a list of you know three pages here's exactly how the conversation's gonna go you just need to figure out what the pain points are and how you can solve the problem or if you can solve the problem and then expressing that to them but a lot of time it's just keeping them on the phone like oh you don't want to buy a home oh you, you can't find a home you already found a home like why why don't you want to buy a home and just kind of like keeping through that and i mean i enjoy that part of it is just like the people who don't want to hang up on you they just want to say something to make you hang up on them and just not taking the hint it's been like oh okay so like (laughs) how yeah how how else are things going and and just keeping that conversation going you'll get hung up on eventually but or repeatedly but you'll kind of notice like what works what buys you time what gets you hung up on faster and then just tailoring it and i wish i had like a detailed document with what Little strategies or micro scripts work, but it's just something that I've learned and just applied. Keep you them know. on the phone. Yeah, just keep them there. That's the first step. Because if they hang up on you, you're not getting the appointment. Well, most of the time, you can text them. I mean, just, I mean, it's just that persistent effort. The way I see it, once you have a list, like one thing I've noticed, I think we do different than a lot of agents. Someone will tell me, like, no, I'm definitely not interested and I'll, I'll call them back in six months like i don't care unless they tell me to like fuck off we're we're calling them back in six to 12 months for the people who just aren't interested and a lot of people mark that as a dead lead and then they're like you know these leads suck there's no leads in here because six months goes by before you know it and like it doesn't bother you there's no action in between then so i just have a list of people that i'm supposed to call in six to 12 months and that list sucks it's not going to be a lot of good leads but you just got to get through and hammer it out and then you'll be just surprised because people's circumstances change and there are leads in there. that a lot of people just give up on. I mean, we have leads we're calling that have been in our system since 2013.
0: Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Are you a real estate agent in the DMV area or thinking about becoming a real estate agent in the DMV area? Why not join the highest selling team in the DMV? The Kerry Scholl team is hiring more agents we have the best training systems, the best culture, and the best environment to get you to the next level, whether that's starting out and getting to six figures, or getting from six figures to 250, or to half a million, or even beyond. Go to kerryshullcareers.com. Again, that's kerryshullcareers.com. What's what's the appointment or sale that you remember most in terms of like the person was a hard ass, or it took... 20 calls to get, or um, just.
1: I got a few. Yeah, um, this guy I'm not gonna say his name on there, but he's a developer of a, a condo building in Arlington who had sold like I think it's like 80 units or something like that. And he'd sold 75 of them with one listing agent and then called us up to sell the last three. And he absolutely did not want to meet with somebody and. Just, you know, just wanted to do a phone call with the listing agent and didn't understand why we weren't going to do that and don't we want his business. And just kind of explaining to him like, yeah, we have a process, you know, for every lead we deal with and we stick to that process and it works. So when are you available? And eventually he did, we did end up getting the business and sold, I think the last three condos and we've sold a lot of, uh, a lot of units in that building, actually we have one for sale now. Um, I think I don't, once we got a turn, we sell a lot of units in that building, possibly not the most, but a lot.
0: Yeah, I think I think people that are big clients or wealthy people, sometimes, ever, you know, people bend over backwards and treat them differently. And a lot of times, a lot of times, they don't even realize that the biggest thing you can do for them is to treat them like everyone else. And yeah, like give them the same systems and processes that you've proven to other people.
1: Yeah, that, and I mean, I'll I'll share a couple of the recordings, but I got a few. I got one who was absolutely sure she was not going to work with us because she didn't want an agent, and she was going to negotiate, you know, closing cost credits by not having a cooperating agent. And that's when you get a lot. Once you get to a certain price point, like I've noticed that the lower price points, people don't really care, fight about that as much. But once you get to like a million plus, these people are thinking, hey, that's that's a car that I'm paying someone to you know, fill out some paperwork and do an inspection with me. Like, that's too much. Um, I'm, I'm. Yeah. So what do you people.
0: what do you do to convince them of the value? Because um, obviously, if they're buying a million, they're looking at, oh, my gosh, I don't want to I, I want to get back some of that thirty thousand dollar in creation. Right. right. But and how do you how do you convince them that you can do better?
1: Well, I mean, there's a few different strategies you can go with. The first one is figuring out the why. So it's do they want to do that because they just don't see the value in it and they want to save $30,000 or do they, they need a credit to make this deal work? Because if they need a credit, it's a little harder. You have to get creative and talk about, you know, lender credits or figuring out some other way to get them that money. But if it's just a matter of getting them the best deal, uh, I go to off markets. So it's like great you know i understand you're a lawyer and you have access to zillow so you can see properties and you know how to fill out the paperwork you don't need my help because you've done this i have properties you can't see on zillow would you know if i can find something for you and you pay me a commission and you still get you know a solution to said problem we get you credits or you know we get you a below market deal like would that be good and then the i mean the answer is yes to these questions Like, the right answer is yes. If they say no, you just kind of have to repeat it to the way it's like, you know, some, you hear how this sounds, right? Like what you're telling me right now. And normally you'll get a meeting. Um, it's hard with investors because a lot of them aren't going to sign a commit. So, like, once we get that meeting, we're trying to get the, the buyer agreement signed in the meeting. Um, and we don't, you know, there's no like retainer fee. It's real easy for them to get out of it, but it's like, it's like your Netflix subscription. A lot of people just don't take that action to terminate it. Um, so that i mean that's pretty much the game plan
0: how's how has the transition been from isa to osa you know going from setting the appointments to uh it's different to Um, you know needing to get people to closing
1: yeah i'm uh i'm more critical of how we qualify people now for sure on the isa side so i still go down there and give them uh, some feedback on that sometimes but it it's tough again because it's not as simple like, I mean, for ISA, pretty much it's we're really experienced and off markets and off markets is the big one. I mean, we beat people over the head with that, both for sellers, too. They don't want a bunch of people coming in their house, especially during a pandemic. Like, off markets, great solution. Um, but it's just figuring out what the next step is and the next that that's what takes more time and more thoughtfulness.
0: it's more more, you're in a more long-term relationship now yeah yeah versus uh, not so you got to keep that person engaged overcome objections over a longer period of time Mm -hmm. what's what's been the toughest challenge for you about that
1: uh a lot of it's mindset again i mean just staying organized and focused the thing so right when quarantine hit which is like right when i started i didn't really have a lot of clients so it was very easy for me to like get into bad habits or to not commit to doing certain activities consistently um and that's something i've been getting better with now um, so it's improved markedly but just consistent action like staying in touch with like client b's so it's real easy with an a it's like hey here's new properties do you want to see them with a b it takes a little more finesse to stay in front of them and, you know, keep a conversation going when they're really not ready to do anything. Like, because some people, I mean, depending on their circumstances, it doesn't make sense for them to buy immediately. Right. And, like, figuring right. out what are you going to do to keep top of mind with that person.
0: So, it's more email follow-up, phone call, text. Yeah. How are, how are you staying in front of people during their home search?
1: Uh, oh, man. And this yeah mostly it depends like younger folks it's mostly text messaging I found that that's the most effective thing and I'll do the phone a bit although I found a lot of these people just don't like phone calls that much or it's the opposite they want to keep me on the phone for half an hour for something that that we should be able to get done in about three minutes and they just keep keep going Um, so mostly text messages and emails just kinda like pinging people like I um, so like the MLS searches I BCC myself on all of those so I respond to those like when I see new properties it's like hey do you see 123 Main Street and are you available tomorrow um, but yeah honestly I probably need some better strategies for the longer out people and like how to keep in touch
0: what are you most excited about uh, during this transition
1: um well there's more money potential because you can make I mean, you could make six figures as an ISA here. That that's not a problem. Um, But I mean, I think you're limited to a point. Like, I don't. I think it'd be really tough for an ISA here to make two hundred thousand, or like beyond that. And there are definitely agents who do much better than that on our team. Um, So that the higher income potential, which is kind of the trade-off, because with ISA there's a higher floor. I mean, you're guaranteed something. Oh, you know, outside sales, you're guaranteed absolutely nothing. and there's a lot of fringe benefits, too. I mean, you get paid vacation, you get insurance. Um, there's probably some other stuff I'm overlooking. Well, there's a ton of like fitness benefits. But it's just there's not as much potential.
0: Hopefully soon. They, they need to open the gym up. So Washington, Ritt, and Greg, and Lindsay, if you're listening to this, hope it's time to open that gym up. I don't know. It's an
1: interesting time. So like the big appeal was I was like, you know, I'm really tired of coming into the office. 40 50 hours a week and so the irony i switched and then everybody stopped coming in the office 40 50 hours a week so i don't know you know timing was bad there but hey we're, we're moving through it
0: yeah well definitely more opportunity more upside so i'm looking forward to to you uh you know reaching that potential and and and, and hitting those those big numbers and like, you know, your start in the inside sales agent role, uh, it's consistency, effort over time is, is you know, what what gets the job done. And it's like that with anything, really. Uh, this has been a great show. Before we wrap up, I want to do our hyper fast round if you are ready for some rapid okay. fire questions. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new inside sales agent?
1: Uh, do not get dejected and just like you gotta be able to laugh stuff off cause every, I mean depending on the list you're calling if you're calling like a circle prospecting list or an expired list, you might get cussed out pretty frequently, those are the only ones I mean other than that, it's uncommon but just like being able to laugh about it, like oh man that guy was really pissed off wonder what kind of day he's having and just like having a short memory with those things, like if something goes really bad, just next call if something goes good, next call I mean, you can take a moment with something good, you know, kind of be like, oh, I'm nice. Next call.
0: All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new outside sales agent, buyer's agent, listing agent, et cetera?
1: Uh, Have a plan. I mean, whether that's going to be open houses, direct marketing, figure out where your business is going to come from and focus your energy accordingly.
0: What's been the biggest challenge for you in any role you've had in real estate? And what did you do to overcome it?
1: Biggest challenge. Hmm. Um, really, it's it's not getting hung up on the details as much because I'm, I'm a high C personality type. So when I'm going through like a buyer agreement or a contract with a client, sometimes I'll spend a little too much time explaining points that I think are really important and we need to focus on when most of the time. If they're not asking they're not concerned and the fact that i'm spending so much time talking about it kind of freaks them out it's like getting past that and realizing that that not everyone has the same perspective or concerns that you might have and so not projecting your concerns on others
0: all right when you're not slinging homes what would we find you doing? Uh, a lot fun? of
1: snowboarding yeah um doing a lot of that. Right. Is that is that is that open it's it's not open yet it'll be open real soon uh november Colorado, okay, maybe maybe October, we'll see.
0: All right, and last question: Where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh, uh,
1: probably running a team here. Yeah.
0: Uh, All sorry. right, growing growing into a mini team leader. That would be awesome to see. Well. Thanks for being on the show, Peter. Before we sign off, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you on uh, social media or connect, what's the best way? Uh,
1: It's uh, Peter S. Applegate on Instagram or on uh, our team's Facebook page or just on our website.
0: All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Peter. For all of you out there listening and watching, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time